This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome into episode 129 of Small Talk. Your host, Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman are here. Hello to our podcast audience. Hello to our YouTube audience. And Steve, I think we need to thank our YouTube audience because they were very active on the Britney episode, the It's Britney Bitch episode. Everybody loves some Britney. It was no surprise this, this episode was going to be a huge hit. But yes, we have had the most views on YouTube uh, at the Small Talk channel. We're fired up about that, which, you know, again, everybody loves Britney. It's not a surprise. But the most that's come out of last week's episode was just how bad of a beatdown that draft was. Because the more and more intel we're getting on oh, this, I think the worse here. and worse you should probably feel about what you did last week. Okay, just to recap, here is what you did in the draft. Here is what I did in the Britney draft. Here are the songs that Cerruti picked. Toxic, amazing. Great. Best pick of the draft by you. Great. Best pick of the draft. You, I mean, you, and you didn't have the number again. one. You, you had the one number one pick and you didn't take that. Just Let's just put that out there again. And I feel good about it. I feel mm, good about you it. You should. You picked Toxic. Then you picked Oops, which the video, iconic, the song, frankly, overrated. Yeah, I said it. Oops is overrated. It was Oops appropriately overrated. drafted. It was appropriately drafted. It's fine. It was around five. I took it around there. Great song. No one's going to look at Oops, I Did It Again and say, oh, Sorty screwed up picking Oops, I Did It Again, which is maybe, it's definitely in her top three biggest hits of all time. So come on, Michelle, keep going. Top three biggest hits of all time. Oops, I Did It Again is iconic. Iconic. It's probably more iconic than Toxic, even though I think Toxic is a better song. Oh, get out of here. Toxic is far better than oops. You're just thinking about the red latex bodysuit is what you're thinking about. Correct. But I think more people would (laughs) would say, hey, name three Britney songs. They would name oops before they named toxic. I believe that. So we're not going to knock the credentials of oops here. It belongs where, where it was drafted. Then you went till the world ends. Great song, Bang. but if we're if we're talking about dance break songs on that album, "Hold It Against Me" is better. Well, you didn't even no one even drafted that one, so I don't even know what to tell you. Right, and but again, I'm saying you didn't even pick the best song from that album. Well, so. listen, keep going because mine it gets better and better, and you drafted two songs that nobody's ever heard of as your last two. Incorrect. Then you went, you drive me crazy. I messed up and came in and said, "Is it the remix?" Which I shouldn't have because that was a clear. I got both omission by you that you went with the regular not even the remix clearly you don't even know our girl and then finally i think this was your best pick of the draft you ended with work bitch which i've heard from a lot of people steve a lot of people about this draft and the people that i trust the most my girlfriends from college on the group text consensus was disappointed you didn't get work bitch disappointed the streets are talking and they wanted you to get work bitch work bitch was i again that's why i was so excited when i got it with my last pick because i didn't think i would and i said going in i didn't i had four songs that i wanted and I didn't think I'd get them all. You told me I wasn't going to get them all. And guess what? <laughs> I, I got them all. So the people have spoken. I mean, John intern spoke. Twitter right now, by the way, just put up a yeah. poll here. Let's check the results. Currently a billion votes. I'm winning 70% to 30%. So One absolute landslide. Votes. Biggest landslide draft in the history of small talk No, you drafts. didn't even let me give my picks. Just take the L. It's okay. It's, it's okay. You, you, you went for the finesse sort of, you know, B track, and I went for all the bangers, and everyone's the gonna associate B-track. the best rap with oh me. Oh my god, the audacity of you to call <laughs> any of these songs that I have on here a B track. There's some B sides, you know. Come on. When you think Britney Spears, what is the first image that comes to mind? You know what it is. It's VMAs, it's Snake, it's Slave for You. Okay. I went with the number Terrible. one song. When you think of Britney, you think of that. And it's an absolute jam. So I went Slave for You. I went Beginning of It All, Baby One More Time, quite possibly her biggest hit. Great pick, yep. No I went Give Me More. It's Britney, bitch. Hello. How can you get better than Give Me Good More? Song, but, you know, I had better ones. 
And then Steve, when you're putting together a comprehensive draft, you have a big board. You don't go same position. You don't draft five wide receivers. You don't draft five quarterbacks. You're not like, hey, you know what I need to do in this draft is get five safeties. That sounds like a great call. So I went and I pivoted while you went right. I went left. I got some diversity in the mix. I went every time, which shows Brittany's range. It shows her vocals. It shows her writing ability. It was her response to Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River. And frankly, I think it was poignant that after we talked about a documentary that disrespected Brittany and didn't give her enough respect that I showed her some by going with her artful side and every time. And then I closed it out with her favorite song herself, Do Something, which I think is not even a deep track. It was one that was put on a greatest hits album and it does not get enough love. You know what that was? That was the Tom Brady of the draft. That was, you pull it in the sixth round and no one thinks it's going to be the Tom Brady of the get out of here with that. It's the Tom Brady of the draft. It's in the sixth round. Everyone's like, do something Tom Brady, Michigan. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 hardware. I tweeted this. I honestly believe this. I'm embarrassed for you. What you're trying to do right now is you're trying to justify your picks to our audience, to yourself, really. Because you don't really believe you won this draft. I don't even feel like I have to do any talking. I just let the draft speak for itself. Put that down on paper. And again, letting the people decide it's 70 to 30. So that's all I have to say. Again, there are no losers here. We talked about this last week, but there is a clear winner. And that was me and Brittany. Yeah. Well, you know who else is the loser in this? Yes, I do know. Justin Timberlake. Correct. Not a great week for him. Not a great week for old Justin. So let me pull up the apology. So here's what happened. And by the way, you didn't, it wasn't a landslide. Please head to Saruti's Instagram. What is it? At Steve Saruti? At Saruti? No, my at Twitter. Saruti. At Saruti. My Twitter at Oh Saruti. yeah, excuse yeah. me. At, at Saruti. Please give me some backup here because trust me, there are some Shelleys that are backing me up. I've heard from them in the DMs. All right. People are backing me up here. Don't just let intern John, because we gave him blog <laughs> capabilities, let him be the voice of this. But we dropped this on Thursday night, Friday morning, right at midnight. And by the time most people woke up on Friday and or got going, Justin had issued an apology. I got several people reaching out to me with emergency SOS signs being like, you guys have got to break down the Justin apology because as soon as we drop the pod, he goes ahead and apologizes. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, Steve. Yeah, Here's it's me. long, but yeah. I'll make it quick. He posted this on Instagram. And by the way, how do you feel about uh, I'm typing this on my notes and putting it as a hard post on Instagram apology? Would it be any better if it was a graphic that was made up with his face on the side of it? I don't think so. How about a video where you see see and feel his sincerity? No, because then everyone's going to, I understand why he didn't do it. Because everyone's going to dissect how serious you are or, you know, your mood, the mood behind it. A statement, you can't talk about whether or not he was really into it. I just think a video complicates it too much. It's not like he's announcing like what school he's going to go to and if he's a high school football star. This is a really serious subject. And I don't think him on a video, he would have gotten picked apart. So I totally understand why. And listen, I'm sure his, what, his publicist and his entire PR team had their hand on every single word of that entire thing. And they were probably like, do not get on camera whatsoever. We are putting this in written form. I had no problem with it. No problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, the devil works hard. Justin Timberlake's PR staff works harder. Seriously, they were, but, yeah, they earned their, they're in their salary in one day. But I will say this. People are like, oh, he wrote it on the notes in his phone and made Who a hard cares? post. Yeah. Well, that at least is trying to present the illusion that he wrote it himself. If it was a full graphic with the statement with his name on it or whatever, then you know an entire team is behind it. At least this tries to make you feel like he did it himself. I'm less concerned with what vehicle it was presented in versus what it was actually said in it. So why don't you read it? Because I think that's more important. I didn't worry one bit with how it was delivered. So this is from Justin Timberlake on Friday. 
I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, both individually, because I care for and respect these women, and I know I failed. I also feel compelled to respond in part because everyone involved deserves better, and most importantly, because this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly want to be part of and grow from. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this. Because of my ignorance, I didn't recognize it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life, but I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. I've not been perfect in navigating all of this throughout my career. I know this apology is a first step and it doesn't absolve the past. I want to take accountability for my own missteps in all of this, as well as be part of a world that uplifts and supports. I care deeply about the well-being of the people I love and have loved. I can do better and I will do better. Yeah, I mean, I think he checked all the boxes, right? I think he said everything that you would want him to say. The question is whether or not you believe him or not, why it took him this long, why it took him until a documentary to actually come out and feel bad about it and want to be remorseful about it. I think that's a natural human reaction. I think we're provoked by things that happen in life, right? He's probably not in the back of his mind every day, all the things that happened when he was in his early 20s, right? Or at the Super Bowl thing. I mean, it's definitely been a big part of his life, but I understand why he wouldn't think about it every second of every day. So you are sort of pushed forward by people's reactions to something. But I don't know what else he's supposed to do, Michelle. I don't know. If you like him and you want to forgive him, you're going to forgive him. And if you don't, then you're not going to forgive him. I don't think this did anything really one way or the other for people that are already hard on one side. It's like politics, right? Nothing the other side is going to say is going to make you feel the other way about it. So as someone who I wouldn't say I'm sympathetic toward Justin, but I understand he's in the spotlight, just like Britney was in his early 20s. That's not easy. And yes, did he make mistakes? Of course, he made a ton of mistakes. Um, I think he he clearly admitted that. I think anyone would admit that. So it's fine. And it's admirable that he did do that. Um, But you also have to acknowledge that those mistakes are real. And he doesn't just get to be absolved from them just because he's Justin Timberlake and now he's older. So I'm sort of caught in the middle here. I appreciate the thought, even if it were through his PR team. But I also don't think it absolves him from all the stuff that he did. And I don't think everyone should be like, well, okay, well, Justin's clean now. Everything's good. We can go back to being normal. The the whole Britney thing could go away because it clearly isn't going away in Britney's world. And it definitely didn't go away in Janet Jackson's world. So I'm a hard middle on this. I don't really know what to make of it. I see both sides. Sorry. Sorry to have a hot take on this. That's okay, Steve. As Frank Ocean says, you can see both sides like Chanel. And I agree with you. I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say gray area here because there are certainly things about this that were concretely wrong Mm -hmm. but I guess my issue is not singularly with Justin Timberlake it's about an entire societal problem as he put a system that is set up to benefit certain people and I just know that in real time as we talked about with Brittany at the time when people were objectifying her and asking her these horrific questions about her body we weren't outraged at the time when Justin was using this situation with Britney to springboard his career, or he was watching Janet Jackson take the fall in real time. Where were we? We weren't outraged at the time. And I just think that him coming out and apologizing was of course the right thing to do. But I do hope as he mentioned in the apology that it does cause a larger conversation about how to educate people and how to start to dismantle some of these constructs that are in place. As he mentioned, misogyny, racism, because this is something that I think we're all learning about. We're becoming aware about. Obviously, certain parts of our society have been dealing with it for a long time and have been trying to acknowledge it. But I think when you're talking to a majority, 
it's hard sometimes to get your message across. And I think over time, probably because of social media and because of the way that we're able to consume things now, this stuff is being brought to the forefront. And these are hard conversations that people need to have. And while some people just want to demonize Justin Timberlake and make him the villain, I hope that those people also want to carry that same energy into making sure that stuff like this doesn't Mm -hmm. happen in the future. But this, again, it gets back to everything else that we're dealing with society of looking back 20, almost 20 years ago and judging people on 2021 standards. Right. Those are two very different things. And I'm not, again, I'm not brushing off the stuff that happened. I'm not saying that it wasn't a bad thing. It's just, we didn't in that time, in that moment, in the early 2000s, we didn't really understand all the bad we were doing to Britney. We, I say we as fans of hers and fans of Justin and consuming all their stuff and, you know, causing the paparazzi to go insane on her because they couldn't get enough of taking pictures of her and trying to find the worst shot. You know, it's bad in the moment, but you don't really fully grasp it until years later. Perspective is important for everything. And I don't mean to laugh at this, but it's it's so true. At the time, none of us were even, if someone said to you in the moment when you were watching this all go down and you were buying us weekly, like, Think about Brittany as a human being back in the mid 2000s. Yeah, you'd be like, like what? what? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Who cares? No, she's she's Who going cares? crazy, right? Everyone's like, right. oh, Brittany went crazy, and that's we obviously just, I know we know now that that's inappropriate and that's so insensitive and stupid to say because it's totally it's, it's brushing a serious issue under the rug and acting like Absolutely. it's this joke for you to enjoy. I was uncomfortable watching the documentary because it was just like, how did people not know? But they didn't know. They didn't. That's the point. We didn't understand fully, and that is us as a society learning and trying to be better. So I don't like going back and saying, oh, let's just crucify Justin for every wrong he had, even though they were legitimate wrongs 20 plus years ago when he was in his early 20s. I think, listen, the statement is what it is. It's not going to fix anything. I'm interested to hear from you though. Do you think that Justin's career, I think they both benefited from dating each other. Obviously they were the king and queen of pop. I think they both probably equally benefited from that. Now, most people are saying, oh, Justin's career skyrocketed because of the breakup with Britney. You, do you think that's true? I mean, Crime yeah. River was a big deal, but Justin was still a superstar. He was going to be a big deal no matter what. I don't think the Janet Jackson thing or the Britney thing turned him into a star. They may have helped along the way, but Justin was going to be Justin no matter what. So I kind of push back on that notion that he used this as a prop to make himself into a big solo star when he was already headed in that direction anyway. Yeah, this was not a situation where he was an unknown commodity and all of a sudden he dates, it wasn't Kevin Federline where we had no idea who he was and then he dates Britney Spears and uses it to become a star. Totally agree with that. I mean, NSYNC was the biggest thing in the world. He was the the number one guy in NSYNC. He was already a star, but I do think that them getting together heightened their popularity. Mm -hmm. And I do think when you think about this now, the rumor was that Britney cheated on him. Terrible. I do not condone cheating. I think that's awful. When someone gets cheated on, they are betrayed. They are hurt. They want revenge. I mean, how many times do we talk about revenge, right? But when you watch the video through the 2007 lens or whatever it was, we're like, yeah, F you, Brittany. Now, based on what we know now and what we accept as a society now, we're like, wait, he followed her around and stalked, broke into her house. All of these things where we talk about the safety and security of women and how women are being, you know, looked at differently. We're like, that seems a little problematic now. And, but at the time we didn't think of it like that, but I do think by him being very vocal about what happened and by using what happened in his personal life for his art, it certainly didn't do Britney any favors. And it certainly made him be viewed in a much more positive light. And so I, I think he benefited from it, definitely. And I wouldn't say he didn't, but I, I, this whole idea that that was the 
start of his solo career and he you know just used that i was like a, a trampoline i don't know i think he was kind of already going to be a big deal now that song was amazing i love that song cry me a river so good you're talking about remixes i mean the one with 50 cent is just absolutely amazing but I, I don't know again no one if you were already mad at justin for this you're probably still gonna be mad at justin if you still just like his music you're probably gonna overlook this and say oh justin he apologized good for him and now i'm gonna move on i just think that's the way it is this isn't gonna sway anyone one way or the other i'm happy he did say something because i think he needed to say something but it's it's not, let's be honest, it's what's going to actually really happen here. It's not going to solve any problems. Britney's, all that stuff is so far gone that it just doesn't even matter. So only we know how much that weighs on his conscience. And, and the only thing you could say is, did Justin improve as a guy from there? And I'm, I'm not here to judge Justin on whether or not he's a good, I don't know. That's not we don't know me to decide. So I'll leave it at that. Only he knows his own inner peace and whether or not he believes that he is truly not absolved, but he's sorry for the entire situation. Only he knows that. I can't tell you what, one way or the other. But I do think that it was good of him to apologize, but also to bring light to the bigger issues. And I, I, yeah. hope, I hope that he puts some action behind it. I'll put it that way. I hope that good he point. says, you know what? I did kind of leave Janet Jackson out to dry. And while she got absolutely torched and blackballed from the industry after the Super Bowl, I'm the one that ripped the cup off. I ripped it off. And here I am being invited back. I hope that he does an interview where he talks about that. And I hope that here's the thing, Steve, I don't know what the answer is. I don't have a concrete, here's what I would like him to do moving forward. But I do know that he's one of the biggest stars in the entire world. And I do know that he can further this conversation. And I do know that he can take action from supporting women in a lot of different ways. Everyone wants to throw this on Justin. Like what's Justin going to do to make this better? It's like, no, what are we, what is everyone else going to do? Because Justin, Justin by himself yeah, he's, he's got a big audience and obviously people listen to what he has to say, but you know, what's really going to help is people not going back and just vilifying him for something that was accepted really back when, when it happened, it's learning from that and not letting it happen again in the future. That is not on Justin. That's on everyone, you know? So it's so easy to be like, what can, what is Justin going to do? And I totally believe he do whatever he can be an advocate for these different issues, right? In society. First and foremost, we, as the people who are fans of him have to also listen to the same principles, right? Follow that same path and not let what happened back then happen again. I think that's the point of learning from history. You don't go back in history and try to figure, and I don't want to get into a cancel culture discussion, but I don't think you go back and say, oh, this is bad. Let's get rid of this person. It's no, this was bad. How do we make sure this never happens again? What can we learn from that? And that's what I believe is going to happen and is the best case scenario for the situation. I do think that without getting super far into it, there's not a lot of room for growth right now in society, which is so much of a bummer to me because I feel like we should all be allowed to learn from our mistakes and grow from them. I know that I, right now, the things that I thought when I was the age that we're talking about with Justin and Brittany, I was a dumbass then, Steve. I was I in no my idea. own, yeah. I was in my own little no bubble. Idea. I did not understand any of these larger issues at hand, even the ones that affected me directly. You know, a lot of the things that I dealt with as a woman, when I was first coming up in this industry that now I am super vocal about, and I want to make sure it never happened to other women again. I, at the time coming up was like, well, this is just part of the deal. Like, this is just mm-hmm. something that I'm going to have to deflect and, and deal with. And it was happening to me and I was not as aware of, or doing what I could to stop it from a, from a systemic and a societal perspective. So I do think that, and I'm not suggesting this with Justin, but just as a society in general, and some things definitely are cancelable, but that we, we should give people a little room for grace and a little room for growth. And I know that I have been there and I, I just think as a collective, we all need to do better as a collective (laughs) us. 
I totally agree. I mean, because if you look at me and I mean, you know, I like to think I'm somewhat of a good guy, but, you know, was I a perfect person? I don't know. Um, yeah, who knows? The jury's still out on that one. But see, see if your tweets about my draft would suggest otherwise. As well, I those are accurate. The truth hurts, time. Michelle. I'm sorry to say. I mean, it, it is what it is. But if you dissected who I was as a 17 year old, 18 year old, like into my early 20s, yeah, I wasn't perfect. I did dumb shit just like every other dude does. That doesn't excuse it, but that's part wow. of learning and growing. And at some point, you're supposed to be bigger than that, better than that, and learn from your mistakes. And I feel like I've done that. And hopefully, Justin has done that as well. And as he's sort of grown and realized how his actions have affected someone's life, that's what you need to do. It's not, you know, being like this person should never do anything again because they did something stupid when they were in their twenties. So again, it's hard to speak on Justin because I don't know him as a person, don't know him as a man to the public looks like a great guy. I have no idea. He might, he could be a great guy, could not be a great guy, but I'm not going to judge that. All I could say is, you know, I'm glad he put this statement out. I think he hit everything he was supposed to hit in that statement. And, you know, hopefully as a group, as society, we just learn from that and move forward because we can't rely on people like Justin to be our moral compass on things. Right, right. But this one stung for me a little bit more severely, Steve, because he was one of my first crushes. I loved him. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, he's my guy. Too, you know? Who didn't? My crushes growing up in order were Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I mean, oh, that's on brand. Yep. Sandlot. Young, yep. young Michelle was like baseball. Yeah. Young, skin he's good dude. at baseball yep. and he's nice to everyone. Yep. He welcomes smalls into the crew. The best. Devin Sawa, remember him from Little Giants? Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then he was also There's a Casper. theme here. Just people also from sports movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then Justin Timberlake. Those were the three, th- at least three of the faces that were on the Michelle Smallman growing up grade school crush Mount Rushmore. I'm trying to think of who, those are good ones. Who would be on mine? I'll think of who was the fourth. I'm trying to think of who else I loved. Well, I think my first crush crush, this is embarrassing, but it was like Mikey Seaver from Growing Pains, Kirk Cameron. Oh, I'm yeah, okay. I often be like, oh my God, Kirk Cameron. You know, a, a, just a down-home Midwestern girl. She'd love Growing Pains. I get that. I wasn't really in the Growing Pains scene. I didn't really watch a lot of, you know, network television growing up as a family. We didn't really do that. So I know of it, but it wasn't that big in my life. Music was big. Sports were big. So for me, my first crush, this is hilarious. Um, I don't even know how old I would have been at this point, but it was actually Sue Bird. As a kid growing up in Connecticut, she, played, word, for, yes. she played for UConn. Um, yeah. She was the point guard. Women's basketball in the state is like a really big deal. I remember I had the biggest crush on Sue Bird growing up because she was, how could I not? I was, I love, yeah, I love sports. Awesome. She was the best women's basketball player that I knew at the time. She's in Connecticut in my home state. So Sue Bird was definitely up there for me. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I, I had a crush on. I mean, I remember my crushes more in like middle school, high school than I do when I was really, really young. Mm-hmm. The one that always sticks out to me, and you're going to laugh. Remember Jojo, the singer? She's saying like, get out me right now. <laughs> I always had a crush on Jojo for some reason. She was Wait, just kind of my type. I know. So random. So random. Because she, you know, skinny brunette girl. That was kind of like my thing. So Jojo right for now. sure. I actually had a big crush on Lin- early Lindsay Lohan before things went really south. That was pre even Mean Girls. I Lindsay Lohan was definitely up there. I don't even know who the fourth would be, but that would definitely be Wait, probably the trifecta. Can I just tell you something amazing? I just Googled JoJo from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Oh, well, okay. There you go. I guess I never think of people as being from Foxborough. I just think that that's a place where only the Patriots exist. North Attabra. Um, I'm terrible Attabra. at Boston accents. But yeah, no, Foxborough. I've never been to Foxborough other than to go to a game there. So who knows? But Wow, um, Steve. I'm trying to think if she had any other hits. That's what I'm trying to look at. She had two, she had two songs, right? She had the, the Get Out and then um, Little Too Late, right? Oh, yes. Both jams. Yeah. No. I, what, and when did those come out? I need to Google this. I'll now. tell you right now. Uh, 2004 for one. 
uh, both on her self-titled album, Jojo. <laughs> okay. Go, oh my God. Love a good self-titled album. So Rudy and Jojo. Okay. So Leave Get Out was from Jojo. And let's see where the other one is. The High Road, 2006. Her second album. Just that one, gonna be honest. Featured Too Little, Too Late. Oh, okay, no, okay. So then I, so she had one song on each album. Good for her. No, then she had three other albums: Mad Love, Good to Know, and December Baby. Those ones I definitely, I definitely, unfortunately missed. Uh, sorry, sorry to JoJo. Apologies, but I will say, big crush Shit. on her for whatever reason. I don't, she just like fit the type for me. I remember growing up younger. I was into Mandy Moore, definitely for sure. Love Mandy. Um, probably Candy more than any other, like even more than Britney Spears. I always was into Mandy Moore. But she was blonde then, Steve. I don't know what it was about her. She was just really cute. Brittany, because Christina, Jessica, and, and, Ma and Mandy. Mandy was the one for me. Power rank them, go. As far as who I had a crush on? Yeah. Uh, Mandy, Brittany, Christina, Jessica. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, not put point systems here on them, but I, don't, I was never into Jessica Simpson. I don't know why. Even her music. I didn't really like the music either. I like Christina's music. I love Christina. There was a time, I think, did I say this last week? I think there was a time when I thought Christina was better than Britney, which I look back at now. I'm like, that was really stupid of me to think. And that's not even taking anything away from Christina because she, but she could really sing. She was really great. She's got the pipes. Christina's um, got the pipes. Mandy was not the singer. I mean, she's a good singer, but she, it was it was clearly, you know, Britney, Christina, and then everybody else, really. Right. Uh, and but Christina was the better singer. But Mandy's a true slashy. Even back then, she could sing. She was an actress. I mean, a walk to remember. Mm -hmm. Get out the tissues. Great performance by Great Mandy. Movie. Yep. And now she's on. She's in Scrubs. Um, never saw it. But now she's it's in. Uh, what's that show she's on now that everybody loves? This is Us. Which this is, this us. is us. So Maddie watches that show every time I watch it. I like walk into a room once every couple of weeks when Maddie's watching it, and something incredibly tragic has happened everyone's crying it's the saddest thing in the world maddie's got the tissues on the couch i'm like why do you enjoy this there's something tragic every single episode what is the enjoyment here but people love it i don't know but yes she is very good in that i've heard by the way it was valentine's day on sunday mm. so i guess this is the week of love so well, i mean i'm sure. wearing a, i'm yeah. wearing a shirt with hearts on it because oh we didn't even tell everyone steve we're gonna talk to a matchmaker later in the podcast we yep. have been teasing that we have an interview we had asked people things that they were interested in here on the pod We've done an Instagram model where we talked to man Maddie Moore, not Mandy Moore, Maddie Moore, obviously. <laughs> we had an astrologer, Michael Jernigan, come on and do readings for us. We did The Affair. Matt, right, with The Affair? Yep. I feel like I'm missing another one. But either way, we had asked people what they were interested in. And a lot of people were interested in how people would meet during a pandemic. You can't really go out to your local watering hole and say, hey, what's up? Want to go back and make out as a stranger? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are doing that. But uh, I would say the majority of America has pumped the brakes on the strange. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm out of the loop here. But anyway, we are going to talk to Nikki Lewis, who is the co-founder of an amazing matchmaking company called The Bevy, and find out how people meet that way. I just have questions about love, about true love, about why I was interested in JoJo. Like, why was she my type? Is there a, like science behind why I was, you have a type, I have a type, everybody has a type, right? Why is that? Um, Do we really have types though? Because you ended up with someone who's not your type. I know. I've, I've never dated anyone that's my type. I'm actually glad that I didn't stick to my type because yeah, like Maddie is, I was kind of into petite brunettes, right? I, that was kind of my thing. And Maddie has like curly, lightish hair. Yeah, JoJo, basically. I was into JoJo. JoJo was the, <laughs> the dream girl. She was the perfect, she was the pinnacle of what I could date. I will never get over that JoJo is your dream girl. I know, that it's so, so random, nice. but it's I don't know. So I can't random. tell you why. I just has always had, anyway. Um, but yeah, Maddie, curly hair, blondish now, although it changes. It's just not really, 
in that. And I'm happy that it worked out that way because you shouldn't stick to your type because you can be missing somebody great. So we talk about that with Nikki and we kind of explore why that is, um, why that is the case. And yeah, we're going to, I can't wait. We're coming to this from a place of genuine curiosity. We just want our questions answered. So we hope you can learn something from this. Before we get to Nikki though, I have a couple things for you, Steve, on Valentine's day. And I'm pulling one up that All I right. sent to you. So, you know, everyone likes to post stuff that they're doing for their boo on Valentine's day with social media. Now it's not even like you're trying to impress your significant, <laughs> not you. I do it out of spite. <laughs> I don't, I don't post out of spite. If you look at my Instagram, it's a lot of pictures of my dogs and Maddie, and they're not on specific dates, right? Yeah, I do it on my anniversary because I think that's a little bit more meaningful to us, not Valentine's Day, but I'm not into a, I don't know, post a birthday picture of me and a friend on their birthday every year. I just don't do that. Right. Or, or me on ba- Maddie on Valentine's Day. It's not who I am. But I think a lot of people are doing things for their significant other because they want it to end up on the gram. It's not even about, I want to do something sweet mm-hmm. for you because I love you. It's, I hope that you film this and Look then tag me in it and show everyone what I did, which, hey, whatever. I'm not going to judge anyone's intent, but I would think it's that little, you would It's a little self-serving. But I sent this to you. This made the rounds on social media and I absolutely loved this. <laughs> so while everyone everyone is doing flowers and heart-shaped pizzas and really trying to show their loved ones how much they love them, this wife, Steve, realized that her husband had been liking Instagram models and other women's photos on Instagram. So she printed out the pictures that showed him liking them and she turned it into a bouquet for him. It was a bouquet of photos of other women that he had liked on Instagram. It's a great move on her part. It's a really creative move. The question is, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think she was mad at him. She just wanted yeah. to make prove a point. So that yeah, that, that to funny. me made it even better that she just made a joke out of it. Cause right. if dude, if you're dumb enough to be liking all these stuff, all these pictures of, of other women and not try to hide that from your wife. You deserve to have that thrown into your face on Valentine's Day. That's funny. So I enjoyed that it was kind of lighthearted. But I don't know. Do you have a massive problem? This is where I don't know. I don't know the answer. Where's the line? If I'm dating someone, if I'm married to someone, I can't like another girl's picture. Does it depend on how hot she is? is it, does it have to be a thirst trap? Where is the line where I can't like another girl's picture? You tell that me. I don't know. such a great question because I think it varies from couple to couple. I know some of my girlfriends and I've had this conversation where... So for instance, when Maddie Moore came on the podcast and I immediately followed her because I wanted to learn about Mm -hmm. her and get in contact with her, I noticed a lot of dudes I knew from St. Louis were already Mm -hmm. following her. A lot of dudes, right? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of dudes already aware of who Maddie is. Obviously, she's a gorgeous girl. She's an Instagram model, but they're not going to her page for any information. She's not giving them stock advice. Listen, maybe she is. I haven't watched her stories in a while, and this is not to denigrate her in any way. They're going to her page because they like the way that she looks. Because she looks great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't. I don't. But I just yeah. Some of these guys that I know were married, some were dating other people, some were single. It was a wide range of of things. So of course I texted on the group text with some of my St. Louis girlfriends and I was like, oh, so I'm following this Instagram model and XXX already follows her. And the response was interesting because some of them were like, oh, of course he does. And I feel like for some dudes, it's more accepted than others. And it wasn't in like a shady way, like, oh, he is. But it was like, oh yeah, that adds up. So I think for me, if I was dating and or married to someone and I pulled up JLo's page and I saw that he was liking JLo's pictures, that would not bother me. If I pulled She's up- too famous. She's famous. There's an, um, I guess, a, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a attainability. She's- Yes. 
yeah, attainability, I guess it would be the word, right. but I, I don't know because she's so famous that it's impossible. You don't mind right. him liking her picture, but if it's someone that you know, or that you maybe went to high school with or someone, I don't know, that doesn't yeah. have that many followers, that's where the line is drawn. If it's someone who's posting insane thirst, just like ass shots and you're liking it, <laughs> I, I got a problem with that. What if it's a good ass shot? I mean, I don't know. You want to take great job, great job by you. Admire it from your explore page. People okay? helping people, don't, you know? Don't give it the like. I also think if it is, to your point, someone that we both know or that is in the inner, not even the inner circle, but like there's a sixth degree of separation on a personal level and she's posting like, here's me on vacation in a bikini and you're throwing it a like, you know, she's saying like, oh, Michelle's husband liked my pick. There's a respect level there, I think. Because yeah, that's no, what you're happens. not wrong. I had this conversation with my girlfriends. It's not even like I feel threatened by it, but it's like, you're telling another girl in a public space that you think she's really hot while you're married to me. You know what I mean? Okay. It, just, but it sends off a signal that you would not want to send off if you were a married person. And I, I get it. I get it. It's kind of the third rail situation. But so if you're dating or married to someone, you can't even acknowledge someone else is hot. No, I think there's a total difference. If we're laying in bed together, Steve, and you're scrolling, you turn over and you're like, look at this girl. She's hot. Or you're like, hey, you know, uh, Caitlin that we went to high school with, look at this bikini photo. Her body looks amazing. I'd be like, oh my God, Caitlin looks it's hot. Yeah, but dudes don't talk Instead that way. Instead of me scrolling through like, the, she looks the so time. But I'm saying, <laughs> you're so, I don't know, some guys do. But I think it'd be so different than me scrolling through the timeline as you're sitting next to me and I'm like, bitch, you liked Caitlyn's photo? It's just so different. It seems like, it seems more shady when you do it on the low. Because without you're- Without acknowledging it. To because it's possible color. that you could hook up with that person, right? Even though it's right. not even really possible, but you're it's it's like, kind of, it's out there. It's more possible than hooking up with JLo, I guess, You're right? just like, what's the intent behind the like? Maybe he, Maybe the guy is just really, he just wants to send out positive vibes. Like, I think there's a big difference between you throwing it a like and then commenting like five fire emojis. The five fire emojis that I have a problem with. A simple like, I don't know. But then you spun it around on me. So why don't you do that? Because you yeah, asked me well, how I felt, how yeah, I would how feel. How would you feel? Okay, so I think it's so easy to just say, oh, you know, of course women are insecure and jealous and don't want dudes liking Instagram models photos. But how would you feel if one day you opened the timeline and you saw your wife was liking fitness, dude fitness models pictures and then posting underneath like pecs on fleek, okay. whatever, whatever the kids say these days. Posting though, how are we talking fitness models? Are we talking Peloton person? Or are we talking local guy down the street? Okay, I guess, and I don't need to take this the wrong way. I would feel weird if a guy that I was with was liking photos of a girl that was overtly putting it out there. Like she is putting it out there for you to acknowledge her body and she that looks. she is yep. hot, right? It's, hey, everyone, come and see how good I look. <laughs> and I also think a lot of women that I know, they see guys liking photos of girls that have different body types or look differently than they do. What if Maddie is liking all these photos of guys that normally I would be liking, like huge, attractive guys, blonde hair, attractive guys that don't look like bald guys, Steve. You know, the things that she's putting out into the social media space that she's liking and she thinks is hot is not what you are physically. Would that bother you? Be honest here, because I can see it. I can see the wheels turning in there. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely trying to think of the proper response. I would never notice because I don't look. I don't care. I really. No, don't. But what if it just popped up? But if I sport? if I was made aware of it, hey, if yes. one of my friends was like, "Hey, like I've just been, you know, I've been noticing Maddie like really aggressive and liking like Sean's, <laughs> Sean's posts. I don't. What's going Stop. on there? It depends on your relationship. For me and Maddie, no, I think I'm it'd asking be, you. I think it'd be funny. I would laugh. I'd be what the. I would probably be like, "What the hell is this? What's going on right now?" I don't <laughs> think I'd be threatened by it. Um, 
I think certain guys in relationships would definitely be threatened by something like that, but I don't think I would be, but that's just the relationship I have with my wife. So it's different, but I don't know if I'd love it. You know, if she, if she was constantly commenting and liking a guy at Whole Foods that we know, I don't know, I'd probably be like, can you stop that? That's weird. But I don't know, I'll throw a light to a random model here and there. I, I don't really see a problem with that whatsoever. I mean, it's just an escape for the guy, and especially, you know, I don't know. The original guy who we were talking about, whose wife gave him the bouquet, they were all, I assume, Instagram models, right? They weren't just people in his hometown, were they? I don't know. I don't know their relation. But side note, are you like kikiing with the people at Whole Foods? Or are you no, but I mean, if there's like, a, you know, the, sometimes, you know, there's a cool looking hipster dude at Whole Foods and Maddie thinks he's kind of cute and starts liking him on, on Instagram. I think, yeah, I'd be like, all right, let's calm this down. Let's block this guy really quickly because we can't have this happening. But if she's liking an Instagram model who lives in New York City, who has a couple thousand followers or, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, like, I don't care. Who cares? So it is. About we're acknowledged, it's okay to acknowledge someone's good looking. That's all I'm I saying. I agree. I agree. But okay. So what it is, is you don't want to have the guy scanning your $12 of brie and you're like $13 bucket of olives and being like, yeah, I know my wife liked your phone because that's what it is, Steve. It's that he would look at you and be like, your wife liked my pictures. It's like an unspoken thing where you feel like a little bit betrayed. And I don't even know if that's the right word, but it's like, Trust it's me, like an, are you saying it's like an alpha move for the other guy? Be like, what's up, dude? Your wife likes my pictures. So like you guys might no be. No big deal. It's basically like, the equivalent of he beat you in a fight. Yes, almost. It's like <laughs> yeah. you guys might be at home together and everything's fine. But when she's alone, she's liking my photos, my shirtless pics of me with kale and broccolini and stuff. Yeah, why the that shells. would bother someone? It just wouldn't. I don't think it would bother me. But I, I fully understand why I'm not in the norm here. But you're right. It all comes down to then the, the word of the, is accessibility. It, whether or not that person is an actual person that they can meet up with or something, or you really feel threatened by them, that's the line. Um, because if it's somebody famous, who cares? Like, I don't care. I'm not one of those guys who just throws likes to even Instagram models or thirst traps or whatever. But you know, I have friends that are, and I'm assuming their wives know that they do it, or right? How could you not know? I think you know. You have to know, right? Because you see when you scroll that, you, well, you, I guess you have to follow the same people. So if you're following, maybe the wife isn't following the same Instagram thoughts. I don't know. Who knows? But for me personally, it's just, I think it would be funny. I think I would confront Maddie and be like, what the hell is this? But I don't think I would really be threatened by it. I think it would bother me more if I didn't know and I stumbled upon it or someone brought it to my attention. Well, you I, don't want I, your friend to bring it. If your friend's like, hey, yeah. Michelle, just so you, just a heads up, your guy has been really aggressive in liking my, you know, all of my content on Instagram right. and he right. comments on all my stories. That's a problem. That's a really awkward thing to happen. But I like here and there of somebody that you don't even know that you're not going to be threatened by, meh, let them have some fun. I don't know. Because otherwise, Michelle, okay, what's the point of Instagram then? The point of Instagram is for him to give that person a like because they look good. Is he not supposed to get, you know what I mean? Like she posted that picture because she looks good and she knows it and she wants the world to see it. So is he not supposed to give her that validation? But is that your only interest? I mean, guess who I follow on Instagram? I follow things that I want to cook. Steve, I follow workout videos. There's all sorts of things that you can get from a content space that isn't a stranger's ass. But if, is that his version of cheating? You know, okay, so he's not going to cheat on his wife or his girlfriend. Say he's a good guy, but he just likes to like other pictures. Is that okay? I think that's okay. I'd rather have that guy than the guy who's not liking pictures and sleeping with somebody else on the side. But it's not the worst thing. I get why it's weird and I get why it'd be a problem, but it's just not the worst thing in the world to me. And that's why I love that this wife or spouse or whatever uh, girlfriend did it in a funny way because that's, I think the way it should be treated. It should be funny. He should be made fun of for that, not vilified for it. I agree. But I also think there's a huge difference between you going to the explore page and cruising around and being like, mm, she looks good. What's up? Then liking all the photos. That to me is a very intentional, like, I want you to know that I think this looks good. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, again, I think this is a, it's whatever your preference is, whatever that line is for you. I get everything you're saying, but it just, it wouldn't bother me a ton. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny too. Clearly they're very secure in their relationship if they can turn something like that into a joke. But I think the majority of people that I know, Steve, are on my side on this one. I would agree. This is like the Britney draft. I think most people would agree with you and you won that argument, even though I feel the way that I feel. You know what? I am going to take it to my Instagram. I'm going to do a poll on my story because clearly you're going to have people who follow you just want to give you the W here when you post the poll. Uh, Quick update. It's now up to 74, 74, 26 with again, 2 billion votes. So what's up? So in the spirit of love, Steve and I were thinking about Brittany and Justin. We were thinking about power couples. We were thinking about celebrity power couples. And I remember that way back in the day when we first started this podcast, I think it was back in like 2018, maybe 2019, Lord even knows. We did a celebrity couple power rankings, 1.0. And it's taken a long time to get to version 2.0. But I think it's time we update the rankings, Steve, because I went back and listened and some of our picks, we might not want to keep up there. Would you like me to give you a little refresher on who we chose? Well, I know one of them because it's my all-time, my all-time favorite couple. That's Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. So I know that's on there, but I don't remember the other two. Correct. They were number three for you, actually. They were at the bottom of your power rankings. But they're consistently there. They will never leave my list. Okay. So that was number three for you, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. Number two... And quite surprisingly, was Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I are they still, still love together? I think so. Yeah. What do we, come on. Why would they not be? I, I feel like I would have heard about this. I don't know, Steve. A lot of people breaking up during the pandemic. It's been a rough time for relationships. Uh, let's look. Fassbender, Vikander. Let's see. I think By so. the way, if I saw either of them on the street, I wouldn't know who either one of them was. Yeah, they're still married. You wouldn't, oh, come on. Fassbender? Fassbender is one I of the most ne- handsome people alive. And I mean, she's one of the most beautiful people alive. So. Give me a list of their of what they've done i probably haven't seen any um fassbender is he's magneto in the x-men movie he was Macbeth in uh the Macbeth movie what else has fassbender been in? he was in prometheus he's in like a million different things i don't know i'm probably missing something off the top of my head he's in a lot of sci-fi he's a really good actor period and alicia vikander she was uh in ex machina which is one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years sci-fi robot type thing she was the robot She's not a huge actress, but she's good. She's a big deal. I think most people would know her. I think Fassbender's, um, I don't know if he's an A-list actor. He's like an A-minus, but he's pretty high up there, Michelle. I have never seen any of the things you're talking mm. about and have Maybe never even heard of more any culture. of the things you're talking about. Mm. Probably, probably do. Or I need to talk to someone that doesn't love robots so much. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, fair. Ouch. Finally, coming in at number one on your list, which was a great, great pick by you, David and Victoria Beckham. Yeah. Do I need to change my list? I'm just like, okay, this is, this is my list. I love this list. This was, this what a year ago you said? Like two years, two years ago. ago. Actually, that might be your best work ever. I feel like it held up those, well. Yeah. All three of those hold the test of time. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr. Doing the dishwasher ads now. I mean, they're Amazing. everywhere. And David and Victoria Beckham still killing it. If I remember correctly though, I took that very seriously and you did. did. What was your, cause you had some weird ones. On. I think you put some sports guy. Didn't you put like Kobe and Shaq on there? Or what'd you do? Well, I forget. I did not put Kobe and Shaq. But I was thinking about two people who have been in a relationship, romantic or not, that had a lot of star power. I was thinking star power, like power couple. I took it literally not very much romantically. So coming in at number three for me was the classic of all time, Romeo and Juliet. I do remember that. I don't think I've ever read or watched the movie. I just know what happened. How could you have never seen 
the Baz Luhrmann, Claire Danes, Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet movie. It's one of the great films of all time. Why would I have seen that? Because we grew up in the same era and it was incredible. Now, I never read it. I never watched it. I never had any interest in it. I just know the story because you just know what that story is. But I don't have any interest in watching a depressing love story about two people that end up killing each other. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a no for me. They kill themselves. Get it right. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. That's- yeah, they didn't murder each other. They Okay. But that's like the love story is that obviously their mm-hmm. families were at odds. They didn't want to be without each other. So they would rather die together, Steve, than live a life apart. You could have that one. I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's okay. a, I mean, honestly, if we're talking couples power rankings, like they are probably one, right? That's the, the ultimate Thank do you. or die, if you will. Do or die, yeah. quite literally. Well, then on number two on the list, I had Brittany and Justin. Yikes. Probably didn't age that super didn't well. well. Yeah, didn't age super well. You listen, they were still, if we're talking power, they were at the height. I mean, they were like the royal family in England, right? That was the equivalent of the, what they were in the States. So, it didn't age well because they broke up and now there's this whole thing and Justin's apologizing in the documentary and everything. But they were, if we're talking about the influence of couples, there might not have been anyone that was more influential than the two of them. So it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. I believe in the pod, I referred to them as a white hot meteor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two just... stars colliding into a white hot meteor. Yeah. And those things can't coexist together. It burned hot and then it exploded. And then, you know, everyone kind of went their separate ways, a little bit scarred. You know what? When meteors or asteroids come about, it's cool for a little bit, but we should have known it would have ended in flames. We should have known. Well, yeah, should've. there's no way. Who is the big couple, two people that are that famous, that well-known, who it's worked out? Nobody, right? Who? Am I, I missing somebody? You, I think you hit it on the head with David and Victoria Beckham. They're both yeah. in, international superstars in their own right in two totally different spaces. She was posh vice for god's sake and now has a thriving fashion empire and he is one of the most famous soccer players of all time independently they are crazy famous and then together they are probably i would say one of the most powerful couples in the world and they're still together and have a beautiful family yeah but the crazy part about what happened with with justin and Brittany is that they were the same they were the male equivalent a male female equivalent of each other they were right. the same you know what i mean they were the yin and the yang in that way. Whereas, you know, obviously Beckham is a, was a soccer player. Victoria was a, a singer. If it was, I'm trying to think if it was David Beckham and the most famous soccer, female soccer player on the earth, that would be the equivalent. And that's not even, that wouldn't even do it justice. So the, the fact that both of them were singers and the pop singer, male and female, what is the equivalent of that now? I mean, I couldn't even imagine what that is now. And that's what you're right. The, the white hot meteor that there's nothing like that. I don't think that's ever happened. So that's close, but it's not exactly the same to me. I still think Brittany and Justin were a bigger deal than them. It's probably like some TikTok stars we don't even know about. Who's the biggest actor and actress right now? Like if they dated, I couldn't even tell you. Justin and Brittany, it was no question. They were the biggest male and female, period. I don't even think right now you can say who the biggest male and female singer are. I mean, Beyonce maybe, right? And Jay-Z is yeah. not the equivalent. Drake, I would say Drake is up there. So Drake saying, is super famous. So if Beyonce and Drake dated, because Jay-Z, he's not as famous as Beyonce. He just isn't. It's still a big deal and it's close, but it's not Brittany and Justin. He's also not coming out with music though not that Beyonce has come out with a new album recently fingers and they were younger they were so they were young now you know Beyonce when they start dating when like Beyonce was probably in her late 20s and Jay-Z was in his oh they they were Beyonce was super young when they first started oh really oh okay yeah yeah let let me look this up how old was Beyonce when she got with Jay-Z pops right up okay she met when they were 18 what well met and met and dated that seems like a very different uh 
Let's see. Because he's 10 years older than her, right? Like around there? It started in 99, 2000. Yeah, he's about 10 years older than her. Let's see. Because Crazy in Love was 2003, I believe. Okay, she says when she was talking to Seventeen Magazine in 2008, she was 18 when they first met, 19 when they first started dating. And he was like in his late 20s, probably. Let's see. She is... Interesting. Stand by. She is... 39 and he is I think he's 50 isn't he 51 so yeah so he, she's 19 he's whoa, 31 I'm uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> I mean it uh, I know everything in the music world and Hollywood is different you can be 30 years older than your spouse and it's not that big of a deal as it you know, as it would be in real life but Ugh, you like say that out loud. It's like, that's weird. Okay. Sorry. Hey, it worked that well. Did it work? It did work out kind of, you know? Yeah. They now are married with kids. So it, it did work out well. Okay. And then coming in number one on my list, <laughs> I will never get over you. So now I'm uncomfortable. I said Kim Kardashian and Kris Jenner. Now, while they're not in a romantic relationship, I was, my point was that they are pairing and they are powerful. They have taken over the world, those two. And that still remains. They're more of a duo than but a I couple. Would like to- yeah. I would like to sub them out though on the list. Your list is pretty perfect. I mean, you are more than welcome to add anything, but if we're doing the 2.0 version here, I would like to keep Romeo and Julia and I would like to change number two and number three, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, Steve, I'm going to throw in Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, <laughs> who, lest I remind you, have been in a relationship for 37 years. They met in 1983 and they have never been married, but they are still together thriving i learned that today i had assumed they had been dating or married this entire time i didn't know they weren't married never so married maybe that's the secret to marriage is to don't get married just stay together you know be a couple I but think don't get that's married that's why it's worked yeah i think that's why it's worked for them and hollywood it seems like if you get married and you have the big celebrity wedding it's the kiss of death but for them they're like you know what we just like being together hanging out we don't need the paperwork let's do it but that's what's so funny about you know people i remember after i got married People were like, oh, you know, how's married life treating you? Is it any different? It is. It literally isn't different. Now, I've lived with Maddie. We lived in the same house that we did when we were engaged. Yeah. uh, As we were married. So I get it. Like, maybe you move in together and it is different. But for me, I never understood that. What is the big deal of, to me, it's not marriage. It's having kids. We've gone over this before. The kids thing is when things really change. Marriage is, I don't know. It's like the same thing. All right. You combine bank accounts, maybe. I don't know. But I don't understand what the big deal is and why some people freak out about oh, just because you get married, you put a ring out, all of a sudden things change. I think that's totally a mental thing. I don't think it's actually real. So maybe they figured it out and they're just avoiding it altogether. I just don't believe it's a real thing. Maybe it's because when you're dating, someone can always break it off and you can walk away. Whereas with you're married, there's a lot of paperwork involved. Yeah, I mean, you can still get divorced. I don't know. I get, people get divorced all the time. I, I don't know. I just, I've never understood that. So, so that's a little rant I'll go on. I just, if somebody has an explanation, please let me know. I'm, I'm probably missing something, but- Nothing changed when I got married. It was exactly the same. Well, that's good. That means you're in a healthy relationship, Steve. Well, I would like to sub in a couple that I know you're not going to be aware of, but that my Bravo peeps will know. I want to throw in Candy and Todd Tucker onto the list from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Steve, Candy is a star, okay? Todd was on the production staff of the show and they met on the show. And they fell in love quickly. They got together and they are such a good complement to each other. She's more 
out there with her endeavors. He's more on the business and production side of things. They have blended their families. They each had a daughter from prior relationships and now they've had two children together. So they have this great blended family. They have all these business endeavors that they've done together and they just seem to be very happy and they work very well together. And they're always talking about their sex lives. They're just like freaks in the sheets. And I think they are a really good couple. And so I want to throw Candy and Todd on my list. I'm confused though. Why, if she's a real housewife, was she divorced? Was she not a wife? Was there a home wrecking oh, situation here? Like what happened? Steve, Steve, my boy. I mean, stupid question, but I feel Steve, like I have to ask it. Most of these housewives are in fact not married. So it's, why are they called real housewives? They're not even Because when it, when it first started, that's how it was. But this might be a shocker for you. As the series continued, marriage underneath a reality TV <laughs> microscope, not great. Not Didn't work great. out. Did it doesn't work out. I don't think they cared. I think that was the goal to get famous. If you have to get divorced in the process, then, you know, it is what it is. So a lot of these women are now divorced. And as the franchise has evolved, they bring in a lot of women who are single, who are just good television. It's just essentially called the housewives. And it's really like rich kind of successful. Semi-married people. Yeah. (laughs) To be completely transparent. A lot of the storylines from the women who aren't married are better than the women who are. Probably. Yeah. Cause I mean, single people are usually more interesting than people. You know, quick side rant, quick side rant. There aren't many great house husbands anymore. Like where are the days of Mario and. Oh, I'll tell you one. What? In one of the couples that I want to potentially put him. They're an honorable mention. I'm not sure if they make my list, but I just want to acknowledge Jay Cutler is a house husband, period. And it's, he's the best house husband. You know what? Here, I thought we could get through this entire episode without you mentioning Jay Cutler. But <laughs> he's boy, the perfect house husband. Actually, Steve, can I amend my list and throw some Rudy and Jay Cutler on the list? Because my sure. God, you do not ride for anyone. I wish you would ride for me half as much as you ride for Jay Cutler. Jay but think Cutler, about it. You know what, Steve? Jay Cutler could put out the same exact Britney draft that I did. And you'd be like, amazing. Great work, Jay. Love you, You're buddy. Probably let's, right. go, let's go fishing together. You're awesome. You're, I don't even like fishing, but let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. We're, we're back. So you we're know just, what? Just a couple bros throwing some in, rods out there. Um, instead of Candy and Todd, I'm putting Sir Rudy and Jay Cutler on the list. Okay, but he, he is a house husband for sure. The show was built with Jay being the guy who was always at home and Kristen would always make fun of him about it. And I want to put Kristen and Jay as an honorable mention in my couples uh, because- they broke up. But did they? There's clearly still some sort of relationship there between the two of them. And I'm holding out the hopes. I'm going to actually put them in there with the hopes that with my belief that I think they still do actually like each other and potentially love each other. And there's all the Instagram flirtation with that thing that they released a couple of weeks ago that we talked about. So I'm going to put them in tentatively as a kind of couple because I love Jay so much. And I also love Kristen. So they didn't make the top three, but they're like a distant four. You know, I love me some J-Lo and I know you love you some Jay Cutler. Did you know that both of our peeps are intertwined in some big scandal going on on the social channels? No. The the streets are talking. The streets have been talking big time. J-Lo and and Jay Cutler? Let me tell you, just stand by. So uh, allegedly, allegedly, Steve, A-Rod has been having inappropriate conversations with a member of Southern Charm, Madison. Okay, stick with me. And this is all tied up because Madison hooked up with Jay Cutler, confirmed, she posted the receipts. And this all stemmed from Austin and Craig from Southern Charm doing an Instagram Live with Kristen. So ipso facto, Kristen Jay, Southern Charm, JLo A-Rod, all connected. It's just like the pin board where you just have everything connecting everything else. Yes. And there's a picture of Jay here and a picture of J-Lo here and A-Rod's down here. And yes. those two people from Southern Charm I've never heard of. And Kristen Calvary's in the middle. This is, this is what I picture. It's like Charlie from It's Always Sunny and just drawing yes. lines with each other. 
but I have no idea what you just said. Okay, sure. I don't, I don't know how they're connected. I don't know any, I didn't know half the people that you even said, the Southern Charm people, no idea. Um, but leave Jay alone. That's all I have to say. Leave Jay alone. He could live his life the way he wants to live his life. Okay. He doesn't need to be shamed for, you know, hooking up with somebody when he's a single man, but I still believe in the relationship. I'm not shaming him. I'm just telling you the Venn diagrams of very cavalry, Southern charm and JLo A-Rod all on top of one another right now. Six degrees. It's like two degrees of separation. Really? Steve, let's keep this same energy, but pivot from celebrity couples to couples who are thriving in real life. Okay. We talked about this earlier. We teased it, but we are so excited for our interview this week. We are going to talk to Nikki Lewis, who is a co-founder of The Bevy. And The Bevy is a great bespoke matchmaking service in some of the big cities here in America. And what she does is she finds two people who are looking for love. She isolates their compatibilities and she puts them together. So we are so excited to have Nikki join us here on Small Talk. Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Okay, Nikki, well, this is a very interesting career path. So I just want to take it all the way back from the beginning. How did you get interested in matchmaking? How did you learn that you were good at this? And how did you decide that you wanted to make it your career? That's an interesting question. I actually thought I was going to be a Broadway star. Um, <laughs> My journey, I suppose you could say, started at um, Tisch at NYU, and I realized pretty quickly that unless a role was handed to me on a silver platter, I, uh, I didn't have the grit in me to kind of wait in the freezing cold for an audition. Uh, and they always say, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, do it. So I'd been interning in PR in New York, which led me to this stunning blonde woman uh, named Greta Tuvison, who was kind of can't walk a one block radius in New York City without running into mm-hmm. five fabulous people she knows. And she said, wait, you're looking for PR kind of work. And I said, whatever you're doing is what I want to be doing, because I want to be just like you. And she said, well, listen. I have this crazy idea. I was at this dinner party in the West Village, met this interesting guy who uh, was talking about his experiences using a matchmaking company. And he kind of felt like it was lacking sophistication or that he couldn't be honest or real with his matchmakers. And I feel like I could do it a lot better, but I need somebody to do it with me. Could you be that person? And the rest is history. I called my parents. I told them, hey, I'm going to be a matchmaker now. They're like, "Um, yeah, okay, okay. That's cute. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Um, Ten years later, Greta and I are business partners. Gosh, it's it's probably been 11 years, actually. Um, You know, we started the bevy about seven years ago. And it's just totally taken off, I think, beyond anything we ever could have dreamed of. So I, I guess that means I'm pretty good at it and we're pretty good at it together. <laughs> yeah. 95% success rate, right? That's what we report. We, um, I mean, even during pandemic, we've had an insane success rate and lots of proposals and love stories, uh, you know, kind of roll out over the last year or so. So it's been really amazing. So these people, they're coming to you looking for a serious relationship, right? Are a lot of them looking for marriage? And what, what are their backgrounds? Because I'm just so fascinated because the matchmaking thing in general, and I, I think I've heard you talk about this or I've read about it. Typically when like your friends try to match you up with one of their friends, it's a terrible idea, right? Because you like both of those people. That doesn't mean they're compatible at all. Who are the people that are your clients and what are they looking for? And how do you sort of arrive at the end game? We have different clients with different backstories, you know, ranging from 
men in their 30s who have never been married or are still trying to figure out what they're looking for and they want the whole shebang marriage children white picket fence and then we have clients who are in you know maybe their 50s or 60s who have been divorced maybe several times and they're saying you know what maybe marriage isn't the right angle for me but i'm looking for my forever person mm-hmm. um so you know whoever you are they are looking for serious, committed relationships. And they're looking for a really vetted and curated approach. So because of that, most of our clients don't really have the time or don't want to delegate the time to swiping or hoping that this girl they lock eyes with at the bar is going to be perfect because they don't have that time to go down the wrong rabbit hole, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you come to us, it's a much more vetted and curated approach for a very busy, a very discerning or possibly very private client. So the men are our clients, our you know, paying clients and women comprise our complimentary membership. You said the word curated, which is exactly, I'm assuming what a client would want because it takes all the work out of it. They come to you, they tell you what their preferences are, what they're looking for, and you do all the legwork. You find a group of women that would fit the bill for these men. But I think for most people, when they go out to a bar, someone catches their eye. Or if you're swiping, the only currency that's really involved there is attractiveness. Mm -hmm. So how much of this is about looks and about physical appearance and how much of it is about things that you have in your life or personality traits that might be compatible? And how do you approach that from a matchmaking standpoint? I think one of the most frustrating things in life is to lock eyes at a bar with someone who there's just immediate chemistry and you're already nuts about this person and you only find out the hard way the more you get to know them what a terrible idea this is you're upset more than you're happy it's exciting it's terrible it's frustrating so we kind of take that heartache and that headache out of the equation looks is important i mean if you feel good in your own skin and you know it it just says you're in a good place in your life, you're confident, you're really ready to kind of meet somebody. So looks is one thing. That's obviously the first part of the equation, but we take things a lot deeper than that. So we meet every single member um, either in person or via Zoom these days with COVID going on and really get deep in there. We want to learn about the way that they grew up, um, their past relationships. What was their biggest failure in life and how did they recover from that? What do they consider their greatest achievement or paints us the perfect picture of what you want your life to look like and tell us exactly who you're looking to meet. So when you go in depth with someone like that, there's no guessing work. And we take it 20 steps further because most of these People who come to us have been referred by people who we know uh, and people who we like, which just means that there's kind of an honesty and trust factor in there, which you don't get online um, through swiping. I also think it's hard. Not everyone can take a fabulous photo. I've met some terribly handsome men or gorgeous women who just don't like taking photos, don't like putting photos of themselves online or can't gauge what looks good of them. And think about all the missed opportunities um, when you're just judging someone from swiping. Mm -hmm. You could have swiped left on your soulmate. Mm -hmm. 
or you know, they're not good with Instagram filters or all that stuff. What is real and what's not real today in the dating app scene seems I'm married. So I'm very happy. I'm not in that scene. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll just say that first and foremost, but I want to, I want to circle back. So you, know, you talked about connecting people on these levels of things that they have in common or things that you think that might match up. What are some of those things? Are people from small towns more likely to be together? People from the big state? Like what are some of the weird sort of, uh, characteristics that make people attracted to each other beyond the physical part? That's a great question. We always say what we do, it's a third part science and two thirds intuition, meaning a lot of the magic of a relationship is not necessarily what you have in common, but how you complement each other. Willingness to learn new things from each other, willingness to expand your horizon beyond what you enjoy doing, so to speak. So we're not looking for someone just because you're an avid skier, for example, we're not looking for someone who necessarily is also an avid skier, but someone who's willing to participate or is eager to learn. I think relationships can become really stale if you have nothing to learn or nothing to give or take. So you know, when we're looking for matches, we're trying to decipher chemistry, which is the hardest part of our job since we can't predict chemistry. If we could, we'd be richer than Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we try to work with the physicality, you know, men tend to be very specific, especially about what their type is or what they're looking for. So we try to start there and we try to work outwards from there. So maybe the way that they grew up is really important that their parents are maybe still married. That can be important to some people. Um, maybe religion is important to some people and that can be a non sequitur. So we try to fill those blocks before we get fancy and look for the compliments and look for, you know, the intangible things. So you guys are really working with these clients step-by-step throughout this entire process. How many potential partners does one client usually go through? Is it usually one? Maybe you guys are really good with the first time. Is it upwards to 10? I know it's probably an individual basis, but I'm just curious how many people a client would typically meet before they find someone that they really connect with. Right. Well, the one and done is the dream. Um, You know, we've definitely gotten lucky uh, even just a month ago. I introduced a couple and they're already in a committed relationship a month later on Valentine's day, they made a whole, their love story and sent it to me. And I was just like, that's, that's the goal is to just not waste time and to feel really happy and excited. But you know, we've had clients who have been with us for years only because they've been in several long-term relationships through us And if they didn't work out, they're coming back because they're saying, I will never date a different way ever again. This was such a time solve. Last relationships didn't work out. So here I am again. So it it could be anywhere from one to 50, really. Do you coach them up? I mean, if they've had a couple failures, you're like, hey, maybe you need to rethink how you're going to each one of these dates. I've read a little bit too about how you pick very specific settings for where people go out on their first dates because you don't want it to be this noisy environment or this complicated environment. You want it to be very low key. How does that work? Because I'm I'm just sort sort of interested in whether or not you tell someone that they should do more of something or less of something, not like a mean way, but just so, hey, this is how to make you a better person almost. I think one of the coolest things about using a service like ours is that we're providing feedback after your date, which you're not really gonna get in the real world of dating. It could be anything as trivial as whoa, dude, should have brushed your teeth before (laughs) meeting this person um, because they said that your breath smelled. 
or you could be making the same mistake. I mean, we had a client who was going from his office to dates and he was a really attractive guy. We were really confused as to why none of these women were into him. So I decided to show up um, before one of his dates while he's waiting at the bar and his suit was like three sizes too big. He looked tired and disheveled and I was like, oh my God, this is so not you. You need to go home. Get out of your work clothes, get some suits that fit, by the way, but like go home, refresh, take off your suit. As soon as he did that, he was finally getting second dates, third dates, relationships. So it can be trivial or it can be, you didn't hold the door open and she's kind of a stickler for that. Um, or you got to do that. Come on. Big one. Or, you know, a woman's always going to insist that she pays or splits the bill or picks up the bill on the first date because she's kind, don't let her. If you ask her (laughs) out, you're paying, don't let her. It never ends well. (laughs) Confirmed. It never ends well that way. Um, Okay, Nikki. So a lot of men are coming to you to be a client, but how do you find the women that you curate to hopefully match with these men? Because we've been doing this successfully for so long, we really rely a lot on strong referrals. Um, It's kind of like if you were to meet someone through a friend, it just feels a little more safe because you you have backstory on this person. Um, But of course we have some great editorial on us and we've done work with companies like Goop and Soho House and, and Spring Place, which also kind of brings new people who are in our spheres who we just don't know yet. So we get a lot of women that way. Um, and we're just very social creatures, or at least we were. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm interested in a lot of background about love because I think about these things and I don't even know what I believe, but I want to just kind of throw a few things to you and feel free to be like, I have no idea. Like there is no answer because there might not be an answer, but we've always been told like this idea of there's true love exists, right? Or, or your soulmate is out there. One person for you specifically in the world of a billion people, right? That is for you. I don't really know if I think there's a lot of circumstance that's involved. I think there's a lot of people that are probably compatible with each other. And, and given when you meet someone, what time in your life you meet someone. I mean, I, I know like with my wife met me when I was in college, we probably wouldn't be married today because I was just a different guy, right? It's just, you grow up, you mature, you're a different person. It's all about circumstance. But where do you kind of stand on that? Because I'd imagine there isn't just probably one person. You're trying to find the best possible fit to make someone happy, right? Totally. Timing is one of the biggest factors. It's kind of like you said, you can take any 22 year old in college who's a total idiot and doesn't yet know who they are yet or (laughs) who the best person for them is. And think about geography. What if your quote unquote soulmate lived, you know, 4,000 miles away? So it's very circumstantial. The term soulmate, it's not real. It's kind of like I was saying, I, I believe in infatuation at first sight, but I think that real love is something that is ongoing, that continues to develop and to progress. It's more of a journey, not this like destination. You're always kind of in it or working on it. So I believe in infatuation at first sight. I don't believe in soulmates. There are certainly, there's certainly probably more than one person out there for everyone, but timing needs to link up places in life. Um, similar ideologies and goals need to come together similarly. So I think saying soulmate is, is overly simplistic. Good. I agree. All right. 
I want to expand on infatuation at first sight. So you can pair two people together. They could both go on the date and obviously perspectives are different. What happens when one person is really into the date and the other person is not? Are you the conduit there that has to break the news to somebody else? How does that work? Michelle, I'm still struggling because I had a date that went out this weekend and she said, oh my gosh, our connection was uncanny. This was best date I've been on in a really long time. And he said, I give great date. I, but she's not my person. Oh man. I'm so excited and I don't, you know, you're dealing with people's emotions and, and that becomes really tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I need to disassociate myself because it's dangerous to take all the feedback personally. All you can do is your best. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to let that play out naturally between them because I don't want to messy anything up just, just in case. So you won't like circle back and be like, Hey, you know, maybe you should give her a second chance kind of thing. You'll let them sort of figure out on their own. I said, she fits. If you gave me, I need to fit all these boxes perfectly. I totally did. You're like, Hey, (laughs) sometimes it really just is chemistry. And I just can't predict that. So Mm -hmm. I hope they'll figure it out. Do you think people get in their heads though? I think there's a lot of stigmas out there about how people meet, right? I mean, dating apps in general, it's, it's less weird than it was maybe five years ago about, oh, we met on a dating app, right? But I think everyone wants to meet their significant other or their future spouse in such a cool romantic way that we see in a romantic comedy, right? And that doesn't happen. It just, it rarely ever happens that way. Do you think that people get in their heads too much when they think about this stuff? Because it is a perfect situation in their own head and they end up sabotaging something that's really good? Totally. And we've set up so many clients who, you know, are really private about disclosing how they met. It's always exciting for us when we get to be invited to weddings and it's kind of, then we're not invited to a lot of weddings and a lot of people just say, oh, we, we met through a friend, which, you know, I, I guess is true, but it was a matchmaker. So I think that there can be stigmas associated, which is too bad. I hope that the way that we've done things really kind of destigmatizes a lot of hearsay about matchmaking. And I really think that it is a much more organic way to meet people these days, just because of the apps. Um, when you're inundated with catfishes and people who aren't really looking for the right things, I think this is actually much more organic to kind of say, hey, you know what? I need some help finding someone who's on the same page as I am, who has the same incredible things that I have to offer. And I can't be in a million places at once. And I need to outsource to someone who I trust, who I would totally be friends with, but happens to do this professionally. So once you kind of hit that realization, you suddenly start destigmatizing and you're like, this is such a solve of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to solve for the the right thing here. It seems like working smarter, not harder by going, yeah. through, going through the bevy. What is the most common mistake you see people making in the dating world? Because I think a lot of times, like you mentioned, the person says, I give really good date. I wonder if that person just knows that they can talk to anybody. And so they're more concerned about keeping up the conversation rather than actually connecting with someone. Or if people are too focused on appearances, what's the most common thing that you see happening where you're like, gosh, I wish people wouldn't do that. Oh my gosh. There's so many. (laughs) Um, 
you know, I think superficiality is, is one thing that's kind of the biggest thing to overcome. Obviously attraction is super important. So I get it, but, you know, trying to find someone for my client who's six foot two and Amazonian with a green eye and a blue eye, um, with, you know, (laughs) five Ivy league degrees is, is just really hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of the biggest hurdles. I'd say the second biggest kind of mistakes is disparaging an ex or speaking for too long about it on a date. Nobody wants to hear about that. Come on. Yeah, great point. I would never think of that, but so true. Although, Michelle, we did have that recent 10,000 Frogs where the 10,000 Frogs, by the way, is, is a thing we do where people send us their bad date examples and we tell mm-hmm. which one is worse and we crown a champion. Um, and recently there was a frog. It was a, it was a girl, I believe, who was very interested in the other guy's uh, sexual history, right? She wanted to know the number right off the bat. And he was like, why are we talking about this on the first date? But she was adamant about it. And I was just like, how is she going to survive in the dating? That's such an inappropriate, I feel like, question for the first date to be so adamant about. Or even going down the political. Oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> Although no. you want to get that out of the way though, early, right? If you, if you aren't aligned, yeah. it's probably better to know early. <laughs> That's a good point. If you're super strong in either direction, it is something that you want to put on the table. We actually have that question on our questionnaire and in the past four years or so have really had to pay attention to what the answer is because that can be a deal breaker for people and erupt in a bad way on a first date for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Michelle and I were talking about types and how we get tunnel vision, right? Of, oh, this is who I should be with. And what do you think makes that? Could somebody be attracted to, you know, a brunette, some blonde, some big guy, some smaller guy? Why is that a thing? Is it the way we grew up? Is there any sort of knowledge behind that to know why we are that way? I wish I knew. I wish I knew why people were hardwired. Greta, my business partner, and I have a theory. It can come down to hair color even. We've had clients just say that their ex-wives were blonde. They're very, very specific. I will only date a brunette. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, it's a silly example, but not repeating something similar to the past. Mm. Or maybe you have your parents chirping in your ear your whole life about, yeah, I want you to be with someone who's a Jewish lawyer. I'm not pointing out any specifics here. Um, (laughs) But when you when you take your tunnel vision out of it and kind of open your mind beyond, you're going to be so pleasantly surprised. We always tell our clients, suspend your disbelief that we have no idea what we're talking about. Um, You know, Greta and I both say we probably never would have picked our significant others, maybe swiping on an app or even just across the bar. It's giving someone a chance to kind of show them who you are and realize why they could be the perfect complement or counterpart to you uh, in a relationship. And we both really strongly feel that way, that you need to open your horizons and expand your mind past, you know, maybe it's religion or ethnicity or height or hair color or job title um, to really find the perfect person for you. He doesn't always have to be 6'2". He could be, he could be 5'10". <laughs> Listen, my fiance is 6'8". So oh, I, okay. But the funny thing is, I was never a height snob. Mm. His height is wasted on me. Yeah, I was going to say, you're the one who's not because most women, I know that's the first thing they think of. A man will say, I want her to be blonde. I want her to look like this. Most women just say, I need him to be taller than me. (laughs) 
I know, but tall is not a personality trait. You're right. You're a hundred percent. Get some over. dudes think it is, but yes, you're correct. It is not. <laughs> get over it, ladies. How do you feel about dating apps? One, because I think they've made dating so much more. It's, they've made it easier and complicated at the same time, right? Because you're overlooking people that you probably shouldn't. It's a half a second decision you're on, often making. Do you think it's harder, easier, the same dating now compared to like 10, 15 years ago before social media, so before harder. dating apps. It's harder. Why? There's too many options. Mm. I mean, it kind of gives you dating ADD or grass is greener complex when you're playing the swiping game. And you know, this is, I'm simplifying this because I do know some excellent couples who have met on dating apps, which are totally trying to solve for the right thing. But unless you're, you know, hyper emotionally aware and ready in your life and don't have a weird FOMO complex, you're going to get more confused, the more options that you have. It's kind of like when you walk into a department store and you leave empty handed, but whenever you go to the boutique, you're always going to leave with something fantastic. Maybe it's what you were looking for or something different, but when you have fewer options that are really well curated, it's a total game changer because we are all guilty of just being over, we're desensitized almost mm. um, when there's too many options. So fewer options, more vetting is a better process and good luck on the dating apps. But um, if anything, they've made us even more successful because people are burnt out. <laughs> Seriously. I haven't been on in a while, but it's a tiring, frustrating thing, you know, and you're always constantly questioning why this, why that, or why do they not swipe with me? Or it doesn't feel real. You know, it's, it's like, a, it's a game in a lot of ways and, and a game that, you know, I'm happy to not to play. So good time. Yeah. Same, same. Well, Nikki, can you please tell our audience how they can learn more about the bevy, how they can get in touch with you if they are interested in hiring you guys? Okay. Um, well, our website is the-bevy.com. On Instagram, you can find us at wearethebevy. Uh, or my email is just nikki at the-bevy.com. Sounds great. Well, we really encourage people to check out the bevy. Like Steve says, we have a segment called 10,000 Frogs where people are constantly sending in their bad dates. I think people are very frustrated with the dating scene these days. And this is a great and very successful 95% success rate avenue. So Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And hopefully some of our listeners get in touch with you. Thank you both. It's been so much fun chatting. Thank you. Steve, I loved your question to Nikki and I loved her response about soulmates, especially some coming from someone like her, because what she does is a pretty scientific and methodical approach to putting people together, which you would think inherently kind of debunks the, there's only one person out there for you. There's a soulmate Mm -hmm. out there for you theory. So I thought that was a great question and I loved her answer too. Yeah, me too. I just think I'm not anti-love. I just, if you look at the sheer numbers of the situation and geographical issues that come along with that. If I was living in a different place, I probably wouldn't have met my current wife. It doesn't mean I don't love her anymore or any less. It just is what it is. So I think there's more than one person out there for you. I'm glad that she reiterated that. And there's a lot of teachable things in there. So if you're a guy and you're looking, yeah. you're like, why am I striking out on dates? There's some practices in there that you should probably try to hone in before the pandemic's over so you can get back out there and get on your A-game. And she also confirmed what we folks know what everybody knows is that yes the physical part of it is an important component because you need to be attracted to somebody but that is not what's going to keep you in it long term if you're actually looking for love and longevity there are better compatible factors than how tall someone is or what color their hair is 
I'm not trying to be insensitive. That just gets old after a while. There has to be more than that. I mean, for most people, I think there has to be some other depth of personality or interest or things that you guys could do together. So the looks thing, obviously, is it's like the entryway into your relationship, but it can't be the entire house. Right. <laughs> you know what, Steve? I really like that. You like that, that? Was very, there you go. That was very Marin Mo- Wisdom. Marin Morris of you. If the bones are good, the rest mm-hmm. don't matter. The paint could peel. The glass could shatter. But you know what? If the bones are good, you're going to stay together. You comparing me to Marin Morris is a high point for me on this podcast. So we'll oh my God, that. good. Well, it's nice to know that that made you feel good, Steve, because here I am giving you a nice compliment comparing you to Marin Morris. And you're out there slandering me on Twitter saying, Michelle, I'm embarrassed for Michelle. I'm em- you literally wrote those words. I'm embarrassed for Michelle. Well, you're supposed to be the Britney expert and you clearly lost. So I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm, I think the people that- have spoken. Like I said, I will be posting my own independent poll on Instagram <laughs> and we'll see what the Here facts we are there. We don't, have all co- we don't have all counties reporting yet, okay? And you know what we've learned in a lot of elections, Steve? The early results are not the end results, all right? Well, we got 22 hours to go and I'm still absolute, it's me in a landslide, period. So it's 75-25 still, it's holding strong. Whatever. There's well, no mail-in votes coming in for you. I'm sorry, Michelle. You never know, Steve. It's a pandemic, okay? People could be sleeping on the poll. People could be sleeping on the pole. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Thank you again to Nikki Lewis for jumping on with us. What a great interview. Very informative. And if you are interested in procuring her services, which, geez, I think everybody should. It sounds like a great deal. You don't have to swipe. You don't have to deal with the awkward combos. As she said, they curate it for you. They are going to find people for you. So head to the bevy, check it out, and get in touch with Nikki. She's the best. Steve and I will be back in action next week. But until then... As Nikki said, brush your teeth before a date, okay? And hold the damn door open. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.